Well, good morning and greetings in Jesus' name. I, too, welcome you to this service today. I, too, want to invite the visitors to join in and worship the Lord with us today. I enjoyed our Sunday school lesson. I've always found that story of the defeat at AI interesting. You know, defeat, be it spiritual or otherwise, you can always look back with 2020 vision and you can kind of see how it all went wrong and how you got to that point. And so it is with victory. You can often look back with 2020 vision and see how victory came about. So it's a good lesson for us to study and think about. <clears throat> this morning for a message, I invite you to Matthew chapter 5. Today we will be looking at the third beatitude found in verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In other words, blessed, supremely blessed, happily blessed are those who are of a gentle, quiet, and humble spirit, for they shall inherit great blessing. I have titled this message, Seek to be meek. Seek to be meek. And that actually comes from the scripture. And we'll get to that at the very end of the sermon. The Nelson Bible Dictionary defines meekness as an attitude of humility towards God and gentleness towards men, springing from a recognition that God is in control. I find it interesting, the New King James translation often uses the word gentleness in place of the word meekness, which I believe shows us that the meaning of the two words are very similar. However, even though the words are similar, there is a distinct difference in the meanings of the two words. One example is in 2 Corinthians 10.1, which says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And so Paul wasn't necessarily repeating himself, but showing us that there is a difference between the word meekness and the word gentleness. Think with me for a few minutes about the gentleness of Christ. You think of Jesus going about doing good, healing the sick, taking the children into his arms and blessing them, feeding the hungry. He went about meeting the needs of the people. That was the gentleness of Christ. Now think about the meekness of Christ. When it came to his time to die, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed 
and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You see, that is the meekness of Christ. And so do you see the difference between the meanings of meekness and gentleness? You see, this coming week, I would like to show the gentleness of Christ. I want to show gentleness to my wife, to my family, to my neighbors, to my customers, to my church family. And that is good. That is our calling as Christian people. But what will my response be to him or her who strikes me on one cheek? Will I offer the other also? And to that guy out there, to that customer who takes my Under Armour jacket, will I give him my Carhartt coat also? You see, meekness is patient, patience in the reception of injuries. Meekness is not returning meanness for meanness. Meanness, meekness is the opposite of sudden anger, of malice, of long-harbored vengeance. Meekness is the reception of injuries with the belief that God will vindicate us. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. In the book of Acts, we have the story of the Apostle Stephen's death. We, we refer to him as the first Christian martyr. And as the stones began to fly, he prayed, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You see, meekness is simply responding like Jesus would respond. Jesus' life was the very model of meekness. It was one of his characteristics. He said of himself, I am meek and lowly of heart. And so today Christ is calling us to come and learn of his meekness. I would like to consider today three blessings for those who seek to be meek. And so the first one is, the first point I have, the spirit of meekness brings glory to God. 1 Peter 3 verse 4 tells us, and this is speaking to the women, but I believe all of us could learn from it, that the incorruptible beauty of a meek and quiet spirit is very precious in the sight of God. And that's true for all of us, but maybe especially for the ladies. For this point, I'd like to turn to Numbers chapter 20. We will get uh, most of our points or thoughts for point number one from Numbers chapter 20. 
But in Numbers chapter 20, we have the story of Moses striking the rock when God said to speak. Now, we would say that poor Moses was stressed out. And he probably was. If you hear what's happening as we read, Moses was certainly stressed out. Now, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says the first known use of the word stress was in 1545. So what Hebrew word was used to describe Moses' anxiety, we do not necessarily know. But what we must learn from this account is how God viewed his reactions. And so let's start reading in Numbers 20, verse 1. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the Lord contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? Is it not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink? You see, the people were, they were putting it on. They, they, they were letting him have it, like we say. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the floor of the tabernacle of meeting. And they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly. And the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring the assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribeth, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. And so you got the story. God told Moses to take his rod and speak to the rock. Moses, however, took the rod and spoke, but not to the rock. He spoke to the people instead. In this stressful situation, it seems Moses thought speaking alone would not be sufficient. It's like Moses forgot that God would perform such a miracle. In fact, he doesn't even acknowledge God but says, must we bring for you water out of this rock? 
The Bible says in Numbers 12.3, Now the man, Moses, was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the meaning of this word meek in this verse has a bit of a different meaning than the word meek in Matthew 5. In this verse, the word meek has more the thought of humble, depressed, or afflicted. Moses was meek because of the great burden he had to bear in the care and government of this people. However, God held Moses accountable for his actions. Because you did not believe in me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. You see, God wanted the glory in this miracle of abundant water. God wanted to show himself strong to the people. Instead, Moses did not acknowledge God, but took the honor to himself and Aaron. And because of that disobedience, Moses, along with Aaron, was not allowed to lead the people into the promised land. And so, what can we learn from this story? I believe that we can simply learn that the spirit of meekness brings glory to God. When we respond to life circumstances in a meek and gentle way, God will receive much glory. It's like Nelson Showalter would say, we make God look good. The spirit of meekness brings glory to God. Let's move on to the second point. The second point is meekness is not weakness. To the unbeliever, meekness may appear as weakness, but according to the Bible, meekness is not weakness. Although weakness and meekness may look similar, they are not the same. Weakness is due to negative circumstances, such as a lack of strength or lack of courage. Meekness, however, is due to a person's conscious choice. Meekness is absolute strength and courage under perfect control. Let's go to the book of James. The book of James gives us many practical pointers for building the character of meekness in our lives. It shows us that meekness is not weakness. Let's go to James chapter 1, and we could read much of James, but we will limit it first to James 1, 19 through 27. James 1.19, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In our heads, we have a very small, flappy muscle. We call it the tongue. And on our heads, we have two oblong pieces of cartilage, and we call them ears. Verse 19 suggests that we would use the two pieces of cartilage on the side of our heads more than the small, flappy muscle in our heads. Now that may have sounded a little crude, but I wanted you to get that. <laughs> so how do we do this? Well, I think verse 21, if you're still there, gives us some advice. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Lay that aside. Get it away from your life and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. In other words, open the ears, receive the word with meekness. And as the following verses suggest, do it. Get it done. Be doers of the word. You see, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is the Christian life in action. Verse 27, good advice. It just puts the Christian life in a nutshell. Pure and undefiled religion. Well, what is pure and undefiled religion? People come up with all these different things. Well, maybe it's our statement of faith. Is this, you know, little booklet? Is this pure and undefiled religion? You follow this? Well, I believe there's good things in that little book. I'm not downing that. But verse 27 tells us what pure and undefiled religion is. You know, this past weekend, we were there at Shining Light, and you see that home meeting the needs of these children. You know, a few of them are truly orphans. Many of them have connections 
outside of the home, parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters. But those folks are doing a tremendous job of meeting the needs of orphans. Let's go over to chapter 3. Chapter 3 of James. We'll read 13 through 18. And notice verse 13 right away. In chapter 1, we said, or we, we saw where James says, to receive with meekness the engrafted word. Okay, first we have to receive it. And now that we have received it, James tells us how to live it out. Some good advice here. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Verse 18 is a very special verse for us today because the beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, is a direct quote from Psalm 37, 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in abundance of peace. James says, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. <coughs> when meekness is absent in our relationships, it will be replaced with envy and self-seeking. Verse 16 tells us, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. You can think of meekness as the oil in a gearbox, or you can think of meekness as the oil in a transmission. When oil is absent in a gearbox or a transmission, there is soon extreme heat. There is much friction. There is much wear and stress. In fact, if a gearbox runs without oil long enough, the whole thing will fly apart. And so it is in our lives. We need that oil of meekness running through our life. I have several verses here that I will just simply read to you that speak of <coughs> meekness, that speak of gentleness. Hebrews 4, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, 1, 2, and 3. 
Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness. The King James uses the word meekness there. With long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Galatians 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Colossians 3, 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You see, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is the Christian life in action. The third point I have, meekness. The key for unlimited, unlimited blessing and wealth. Y'all like that point? Meekness, the key for unlimited blessing and wealth. Now these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Is Jesus teaching a prosperity gospel here? Is this a promise of wealth? Is this a promise of land, property, houses, lots of money? What is Jesus saying when he says the meek shall inherit the earth? Well, in this setting in Matthew 5, Jesus is speaking to a group of people who are still living under the Old Covenant. This group of Jewish people would have understood the promise of an, of an inheritance of land. Abraham was promised an inheritance of land, which was real earthly property. The children of Israel, who we were studying this morning, was also promised an inheritance of a land. Again, this was real earthly property. However, among the Jews, the expression to inherit the earth was also used figuratively. To inherit the earth is another, one, is another way of saying to experience great blessing. And so we find that phrase to inherit the earth, written and repeated many times throughout the Old Testament. If you go to the book of Psalms for an example, it's just repeated over and over. And so the Jewish people surrounded Jesus and hearing his words understood that Jesus was not necessarily speaking of inheriting wealth or property, but a promise of an inheritance of great blessing. Now we too would believe there will be great earthly blessing 
for those who live in a meek and gentle way. However, I believe there is more in this promise than just present blessing. Jesus is teaching us what we must do to be received into his kingdom. You see, the way of meekness is the way to heaven. And so I see this blessing to the meek as a twofold promise. When we take on the spirit of meekness, when we learn of the meekness of Christ, we will enjoy the fruit of it in earthly blessing. And at the same time, look forward to our heavenly Canaan, like the Israelites were looking forward to many, many years ago. Our future inheritance hereafter. As I said earlier, in the New King James, the word gentleness is often used in place of the word meekness. In Zephaniah 2 verse 3, the New King James uses the word humility in place of meekness. And that is the verse where our title comes from today. If you can find Zephaniah 2, 3, he's one of them little ones, you know, right there that are kind of hard to find. Um, we don't turn to them real often. But if you want to see that verse, um, you can turn there if you want. Zephaniah 2, 3 says, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have uphold his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Or the King James says, seek meekness. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. As I thought on this verse, I thought of the second, I thought of second Peter chapter three, and I'd like to conclude today with this passage. I'd like to uh, draw just a few thoughts from this passage, and then we will close. But many in our day will say, we are living in the last days. And we may well be. You know, it was interesting, 2020, when the COVID first came about, you know, and the country was shutting down, and preachers would get up and say, we're living in the last days. Well, I'm not a scoffer. I don't want to be a scoffer, but it's 2022. I mean, 2022, yeah, two years have passed, you know. And we're still here. But it does seem like we are living in the last days. It seems like our world is self-destructing. This passage tells us how, may, how we must live in light of living in the last days. And I'd like to read uh, 2 
Second Peter chapter three at this time. <coughs> Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, and both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwell. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You probably notice that verse 11 and verse 12 is a question. Verse 11 begins, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, 
because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. You see, that's a question. In light of that, how should we live? How should should we live? Well, the answer is found in the following verses. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And see, I come back, I see that chapter, and I come back to our verse today. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you see the connection between meekness and this chapter? In light of the end times, in light of the last days, in the light of this world being dissolved and melting with fervent heat, and the question, what type of people should we be? It just brings me back to the verse that we're studying today. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit this new heaven and this new earth in which righteousness dwell. Hopefully you can make that connection this morning. But think about that. We'll call for a closing song.